Amen. Good morning. Good to, good to see everybody that's here this morning. I uh, want to welcome those who are on our Facebook or YouTube or Twitter there. Uh, glad to have you. Be sure to retweet there to give us a thumbs up, the likes, subscribe to YouTube. Uh, that way you'll get the notifications when we go live. Also welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming. Uh, if you need that number and want to share that number with others, uh, just let me know and we'll be glad to give that number uh, to you. Uh, for those who are here in person, if you need one of our bulletins for this morning, our ushers will be glad to come around and give you one, but they are in the windowsills here on both sides as well as at the back and out here in this hallway. Uh, so be sure to get one of those. Lots of upcoming things here uh, for Christmas. And then don't forget also your worship bulletins for the kids are over here in this window sill. Be sure to pick up uh, some of those. If you're at home, uh, you can go to our church website at hollandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, just a couple of tabs over under the info tab. That's where you can download the worship bulletin and the children's worship bulletins. And you can also download your prayer list uh, for this week. So I encourage you to take the time uh, to do that. But so glad to have everybody here this morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. Amen. Amen. We are. So Brother Mike, come and lead us in worship. Oh, I know you hadn't been sitting very long, so you know how to stand. So let's stand and sing and praise the Lord with our first song this morning, Rescue the Perishing, 559. Join the choir as we sing. Oh, 
want to direct your attention to the bulletins uh, this morning. You'll find in the bulletin our missionary moment of the week. So I encourage you to take the time uh, to look at that. It's about Ricardo and Mayena uh, Barber, who are from Texas, in uh, Aubrey, Texas, but they were sent by their home church uh, to go to Portland, Oregon uh, to start a church. When they got there uh, in 2020 to start the church, of course, just like everybody else, they were closed down. And so uh, there from the very beginning, they weren't uh, able to meet and had to meet virtually. And so, uh, but God has been blessing them. They've hosted a food bank there, after school tutoring. Uh, they provided rental assistance and some financial uh, training to nearby residents as a way to reach out uh, and to minister to them. So we want to pray for our missionaries this morning, Ricardo and Mayena Barber. Uh, but we also this morning want to pray for our Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. Thank you to everybody who's brought one of those. Uh, what a blessing that has been. If you want to help uh, with putting those on the trailer, I believe there's a load that's coming this afternoon, correct? A large one? About 3.15 if you want to help unload, and then tomorrow they will be loading the tractor trailers uh, up with the cases, and so we need some help for that. So uh, you can sign up on the board out there just so they'll know uh, to plan on you coming. Uh, we also are planning uh, this coming Saturday, Friday, yes, yeah, Saturday, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving there, to go to Atlanta to the Processing Center. So I want to encourage you, if you want to go and help us with that, uh, on that end of the shoe boxes, uh, there is a sign-up sheet down the hallway here on the missions board uh, for you to sign up for that. But let's go to the Lord in prayer for our missionaries as well as the Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the many blessings you have given to us. Thank you for the privilege to come before your throne of grace even this morning. We do come, Lord, seeking your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness because, Lord, we, as we come and confess any sin that we may have in our hearts, we don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you, especially, Lord, as we're praying on behalf of our missionaries, Ricardo and Mayena Barber. We pray, God, that you will bless them in the ministry uh, that they're doing there in Oregon, as well as all of our missionaries around the world. Bless them as they're worshiping today. And we just pray that you'll continue to open up doors and opportunities uh, that maybe they haven't had before. Uh, and for being closed so long, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just continue to bless them as they seek to reach the community around them. Lord, we thank you for those who have brought uh, the shoeboxes uh, to give, uh, the, those who will go all around the world to various places. And so, Father, we pray that those children who will receive them, Lord, not only will they receive a, a prayer and a gift, uh, but they'll receive, uh, we pray that they'll receive the greatest gift, that of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and, and then follow through the discipleship programs there through Operation Christmas Child. So bless these boxes wherever they may go around this world, and we pray that they will be received by those kids, Lord, that they will be the things that they are looking for, that they need, and we pray, Lord, that uh, they will hear the gospel uh, through that wonderful privilege and opportunity. Bless us this morning, Lord, as we come to worship you and we just give everything to you Lord if we come this morning with any kind of cares or distractions or worries this morning we just want to surrender all of that to you and ask God for you to uh, lift those burdens off of us fill us with your spirit empower us to do the work that you've called us to do and we just ask your blessings upon us in the days ahead in Jesus precious name we pray amen
Let me just remind you also, uh, here in person, uh, you can do your giving either online if you want, or you can also use the envelopes. The white envelope should be in the pew in front of you. If there's not one, there are some on the wall and in the windowsills here uh, beside me on both sides. The pink ones are for our golden offering for Tennessee Missions. We're almost there in reaching our goal, so I'd encourage you to help us to finish that out. You can see our total there uh, in the bulletin. Uh, but if you're at home and you need to give, you can do that online. Go to our church website, HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Very easy platform for you to set up there and to do your online giving. And then also, uh, we've got a special announcement. We've got a group that's going to be coming to sing. Uh, there's some good friends of mine from actually West Virginia. Uh, they're going to be coming. Uh, they're called Chosen Road. Uh, they're a bluegrass gospel group. They're going to be in our area. And so uh, they weren't able to come on a Sunday. Uh, so this is something totally new in doing an outreach on a weekday night. It's going to be on a Tuesday night from 6.30 till about 7.30, uh, somewhere in there. Uh, they are number one on the go uh, bluegrass gospel charts uh, with the billboard charts. And so uh, we'll share some more music with you of them later as we get closer. Uh, but they're going to be coming to share a Christmas concert for us uh, on that night as they're doing their Christmas tour uh, right now. And so uh, you be in prayer about coming and supporting that on Tuesday, December the 20th at 6.30. And we'll share more about that as it gets closer. Brother Mike. As we enter into this Thanksgiving week, there will be many folks gathering this week and spending time with family, hopefully, and eating a little bit. Um, so the next song, actually, the title is We Gather Together. So let's, uh, let's sing. You can remain seated, this one, but uh, let's sing. 636, We Gather Together. Ms. Pat. Children's Church will be gathered during this next song over on the piano side. Uh, and if you'll join us now, we'll sing 314, Whosoever Will. So let's praise the Lord and sing his praises through the song, Whosoever Will. Ms. Pat. Whosoever <laughs> 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 shout. 
just a shepherd boy without a shield without a sword caught up with the giant's voice screaming curses to the Lord till I walked down that hill alone with a pocket full of river stones and what that giant couldn't see is what I had was more than me see all for me well I was a servant to the king interpreting his crazy dreams I won't worship mortal men so they threw me in the lion's den vicious teeth were all I saw till something came and shut Jaws. You couldn't find a scratch on me. In fact, that night I fell asleep. When morning came, it shocked them all. Cause my God fights for me. I stumbled into the room. With alabaster and mouths, I could feel their judging eyes as I knelt before the Christ. I poured my oil on his feet. I didn't care who saw me weep. I gave him all I had that day, and he should have sent me on my way. But instead, he lifted up my head. shield he's my sword the victory is the Lord's he's my shield he's my sword the victory is the So what's your story here today? And what's the giant in your way? 
is the group, the Union Universities, uh, Sounds of Exaltation that played, uh, you can go ahead and go to our next one, uh, <clears throat> that played and sang there at our Tennessee Baptist Convention uh, this past week, and they were a blessing. We've had uh, Carson Newman singers here before, and so I wanted to just share that with you from Union University. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 14. I'm actually going to skip ahead this morning because this morning's message uh, is more pertinent to what we're doing this week with Thanksgiving, uh, but then I'm going to go back tonight to Luke 13 to finish up uh, the order of where we were. Uh, but I've entitled this message this morning, Who Did You Invite to Thanksgiving Dinner? You may be thinking, what in the world's that got to do with a sermon and this passage this morning? But I promise you, you'll find out uh, as we get into this passage. So we're just going to begin uh, here with verse 17 uh, to begin with, chapter, Luke chapter 14 and verse 17. That's all we're going to read for right now. So if you would, let's stand and read God's Word in honor of His Word. <clears throat> And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. And we just pray, God, that you indeed would fight the battles for us. Father, that we would be on our knees before you, even in our hearts right now, in all humility, Lord, seeking your grace and your mercy and the filling of the Holy Spirit within our hearts and lives. Father, I pray this morning that this message will reach out to those who may not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. May this be, Lord, a message that will help them and stir their hearts to come to faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But I pray also for those of us who are believers that this message will stir our hearts hearts, Lord, to be faithful in whatever days we might have remaining to share the gospel with those who are around us and all the opportunities especially that we're going to have here over this next month and a half. And so, Father, I pray your blessings upon us. Help us, Lord, to be bold in sharing the gospel. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll bless this message this morning in a powerful way. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> As you know, this uh, holiday coming up is Thanksgiving Day. Uh, it is celebrated every fourth Thursday uh, of November. Many times Americans gather around their tables covered with turkey and potatoes and cranberries and stuffing and pies and whatever else you can think of uh, that we have on our tables to eat. Uh, over the feast, uh, over the feast uh, so often we share 
uh, what we're thankful for uh, from the previous year. And then some also celebrate the day watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or watching a football game or, or running a race or things like that. But that's not how Thanksgiving has always been celebrated. The holiday and the traditions behind it have evolved from where it began as a religious gathering to pray and to thank God for the things that he's given to, to the modern holiday focused on all those food and, and spending time with family. And this week most of us will have Thanksgiving feasts. Some will have that with friends and family and others as we eat and fellowship with one another. And so as I was thinking about that, uh, that thought came to mind in that question, who are you inviting to dinner this Thursday? And why is that it's so important to this passage that we're looking at today? You're going to find out that there's a feast that Jesus talks about in these verses today that was an invitation to come to the great feast in heaven with Jesus. And so as we think about where we are as a church and as Christians, the greatest priority of our lives is, as Christians is to fulfill the great commission and the great command. And in order to fill the great, fulfill the Great Commission, we need to know uh, who Jesus wants us to invite to that feast, to the Great Feast. Uh, the Great Commission involves a couple of things, bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ and seeing them baptized and set on the road to discipleship and teaching them to do all the things that the Lord has commanded. And so the Great Commission is, is all-inclusive because it demands that we do all that Jesus has commanded us to do. So when we're engaged in fulfilling the Great Commission, we, whenever we help others obey Christ and, and, and understand we'll never be finished with the Great Commission uh, until we do everything Christ has told us to do and until you draw your last dying breath, you won't be finished. And, and so don't ever think you're going to get to the age of retirement or you're going to get to some place where you can just sit back and coast through the rest of life. And, and so what I want you to see here this morning from this passage is several things about this invitation, this invitation here in this scripture and, and how it can relate to us in the holidays here, especially uh, as we get ready to celebrate Thanksgiving this week. I want you to see, first of all, that the invitation is extended. The invitation is extended. That's what you see there in verse 17. Notice it again there, that he sent the servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. And so that's how the invitation was extended, come. So get the picture of the setting for what's going on here in these verses. It's Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath. Jesus has been invited to a dinner by one of the leaders of the Pharisees. Go back, if you would, to verse 1, and we're going to come back down to verse 17 and kind of seeing that setting there. But in verse 1 it says, One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. So who were the they? The they were those who were the leaders among the Pharisees, the most zealous of all the law keepers among the Jews. And, and they were watching Jesus. Now Jesus says some things in these verses, and there's no evidence that we know of that Jesus was ever invited back a second time to this Pharisee's house. And it's not going to be hard to see why and what he has to say. You know, it seems like every time he talks here, he talks about somebody's hypocrisy. We've 
already been seeing that in the previous chapter uh, that we've been looking at. There was never a man whose mouth was more closely tied, though, to the human heart. Uh, and there never was a word that came out of Jesus' mouth that didn't touch the ultimate issue uh, of the soul. So nobody ever spoke like Jesus. So I want you to see some of the things that he spoke about. We've already read verse 1, so let's continue on down through verse 6. So it says, And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And it was just like that. They remained silent. And then he took him, took the man who had dropsy, and he healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. And so get the picture there. When Jesus speaks out at this Saturday dinner, the very first thing that he points out to them is their hypocrisy. Uh, think about this, when, when he speaks about that, and we hear him speak the gospel, and even today uh, when, when we hear the gospel, many times division is created. There are those who are of the truth who will listen and obey, and there are those who are not of the truth who don't have ears to hear and eyes to see. And the first thing Jesus does at, at this dinner meal is to heal this man who has dropsy. Now, it's on a Saturday, it's on the Sabbath also. So maybe this man had been laying outside this Pharisee's house as they entered, kind of like the story, you remember, of Lazarus uh, who, was, who used to lay outside the rich man's gate. And Jesus asked these law keepers, these Pharisees, uh, these people who were uh, trying to keep the religious laws, if they thought healing on the Sabbath was lawful. And they didn't answer. But understand, their silence clearly meant, no, it's not uh, lawful. So Jesus says at the dinner the very same thing that he says back in chapter 13 when he was in the synagogue. You see it there in verse 5 uh, and in verse 6 uh, when he says, uh, there which of you having a son or an ox has fallen into the well on a Sabbath day will not, uh, will not immediately pull him out. And, and so there was no answer. And so Jesus leaves it for them and for us to draw the inference. Namely this, what he's essentially saying to them is this, you law keepers and Pharisees, you've got a keen interest in your own welfare. When the law seems to stand between you and the safety of a valuable ox, you don't have any difficulty uh, relativizing the law. Uh, the preservation of your own comfort, uh, he says, basically is, is clearly higher, uh, a higher commitment for you than the rigorous Sabbath keeping. But when it comes to another person's need, whose illness is, is no skin off of your nose, then you, sen you tend to be more rigid when it comes to the law to protect your involvement. And he basically is saying to them, you wicked religious people who, whose highest love, whose God is not the Lord, but is your selfish 
convenience and for whom basically the law of God is either rigid or robbery depending on whether it protects or threatens your convenience. So the only reason they kept the law was when it was convenient for them and when it wasn't like helping a person like this man who had dropsy trying to get him some help or meet some need that he had, uh, they didn't want anything to do with it. They would say, oh, well the law says I can't do anything on the Sabbath. And so understand this, man at his worst is, is, is religious man using his religion to protect himself from the inconvenience and disturbance of the needy strangers. So the first thing Jesus does when he comes to this dinner after he's healed this man is he begins to speak truth about these men's hypocrisy. Not the best thing to do to your host. Uh, but maybe here it, it was the most loving thing to do because Jesus loved him too much that he didn't want to let him stay in his sin. Well, notice also that he calls out how not only are they hypocritical, but he calls out their pride. They're seeking the praise of men. Now we start stepping on some toes because sometimes that's where we are. We want the praise of others. We want others to give us that attaboy or pat us uh, on the back. Notice verse 7 down through verse 10. It says, Now he told a parable to those who were invited, so he's still speaking to the guests, when he noticed how they chose places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to the person, and then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Uh, and then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. So notice the second thing here he's addressing, we said, is the pride of these dinner guests uh, that is the, right there in front of, of everybody. He's speaking right there in front of everybody. And so uh, he, he's been sitting there all this time. He's been watching people come in the door. He's been watching what they do. You ever people watch sometimes? Uh, you'll see where people's <coughs> priorities uh, really are. And so he's sitting there. He's looking. Uh, at these individuals. <clears throat> and the question is, what is he looking for? Is he looking for how they're dressed? Is he, is he looking uh, to see uh, what kind of job maybe they had? Or uh, he, is he looking uh, to see what kind of jewelry they're wearing or anything like that? No, he, he's looking for what they love. So understand this, that Jesus always watches until he knows where our treasure is. Because where your treasure is, what does the Bible tell us? That's where your heart is also. And so Jesus watches, and he's watching these individuals coming in, and he begins to see where they're sitting, and he begins to see where their heart is really is, where their treasure really is. And that's essentially what here uh, Jesus is, is wanting to see, uh, because where your treasure is, there's your heart also. And, and so he sees uh, them sitting there in the places of honor uh, because they want praise uh, of men. They love to be esteemed uh, by occupying the seats of honor. And, and so he watches how they move in and out of conversations, how they're weaving their way unnoticed to the best seats. Understand this, nobody fools Jesus. 
You may think you're fooling God, but you can't fool God. He is a master, absolute master of every situation. So what does Jesus think about these guests whose treasure is the praise of men? Well, in short, he thinks that they're going to go to hell if their values don't change. And the only way for values to change is for the heart to change. So listen to what he says in two other places in the Bible about this form of idolatry. If you look over at Luke's Gospel in Luke chapter 11 and verse 43, he says to the Pharisees, Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. And then he goes on in verse 46 and verse 47, and he says this to the scribes. He says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and who for a pretense make long prayers so that they will receive, they will receive the greater condemnation. And so two things go hand in hand with loving the places of honor at the feast. Exploitation of the weak, and condemnation. So if your treasure is seeking the praise of others, uh, that's one of the things he talks about here, uh, then a, a, and a widow's house stands in your way, he's saying then, then you would just destroy it. But in the end, your own house will collapse in the flood of God's judgment. So look at what Jesus says in verse 11. In verse 11 he says, For everyone who exalts himself or lifts himself up will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. That is contrary from the way the world lives and the way the world projects things, and that's entered even into the church even today, that, that we tend to want to exalt ourselves and lift ourselves up. Look at what I've done. Look at all the good things I've done. Look at how great I am. At least I'm not like so-and-so over there or so-and-so over there. And we try to lift ourselves up. The Bible says when you do that, be sure to know this, you're going to be brought down low. It's better for you to humble yourself and let others exalt you. If you truly are following Christ, you don't have to let others know what you're doing. You just do it. You be faithful to the Lord, and they'll see it in your life, just like Jesus saw it in these guys' lives. And so if you pursue the seats of honor on earth, understand this, you'll have no seat at all in heaven. And then notice what else he calls out. He calls out their selfishness. Notice what verse 12 down through verse 14 goes on to say. He said also to the man who had invited him, so now get the picture here, he's turned from talking to the guests, now he's talking to the host, the one who invited him. And he says, when he, he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, he says, don't invite your friends or your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And if you do that, he says, you will be blessed in verse 14, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just." And so their selfishness is a picture of them ignoring the greatest needs of others. Because think about it, this man who had the dropsy had probably been sitting outside this man's door 
And all these people were coming in, and they were looking away from him, kind of just like the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, all those others kept walking by the man who had been robbed and been beaten and left for dead. This man had been ignored here. And, and you would think Jesus already, speaking to the others here, I had ruffled enough feathers at one dinner, exposing the, the legalist's ability to twist the law in order to protect their selfish convenience and exposing the pride of those who crave the praise of men. You would think the party's over, but he's not done yet. He said also to this man uh, who had invited him, he talks about uh, his selfishness, his ignoring the greatest need uh, of others. And so up until now, as we said, he's been talking to the guests. Now he turns to the hosts. And, and notice he's telling him, don't invite your friends, don't invite your brothers, don't invite your relatives, your rich neighbors to dinner, lest you be repaid in kind. Uh, what an earthly argument. Danger, repayment ahead, warning this repayment may be dangerous to your health. Who on earth would talk like that? Well, probably somebody whose kingdom is not of this world. Somebody who knows uh, that 1,000 years on this earth are like uh, yesterday when it's gone. Somebody who knows that our life is, is but a mist, that it appears for a little while and in a moment it vanishes away. Who would say something like that? Somebody who knows that he who saves his life now will lose it later. And he who loses his life now for Christ's sake in love will save it later. And, and so who knows uh, that there will be a resurrection unto eternal life, a resurrection of the just to live with God forever and ever, if indeed he was our God on this earth. It's Jesus. And so nobody ever spoke like this man. I mean, he's astonishing to them as he's here at this feast. I mean, who would go to a feast and, and begin talking to people like this? And so the people, they call him Lord. Those who call him Lord uh, ought not to be uh, like any other people. One commentator said this about this passage. He said, Jesus isn't intending to end all family meals and gatherings of friends, but the truth is, is that there is in every human heart a terrible and powerful tendency to live by the law of earthly repayment. There's a subtle and relentless inclination, he says, in our flesh to do what will make life as comfortable as possible and to avoid what will inconvenience us or agitate our placid routine and add the least bit of tension to our Thanksgiving dinner. He says, and this commentator said, the most sanctified people among us must do battle every day so as not to be enslaved by the universal tendency to always act for the greatest earthly payoff. In other words, I'll do it if there's something in it for me. How often we do that in our lives. If, if, I'll invite those who are, who are rich, those who are more wealthy. I'll invite the, the, the esteemed people to come because maybe they'll return in kind. And so Jesus' words were radical because our sin is radical. And, and he waves a red flag because there's destruction ahead for, for people who are governed by that kind of law of, of, of reciprocity and the, and the selfishness from their hearts. So Jesus gives the answer to their problem and the answer to our problem of selfishness and pride and hypocrisy. Notice what he says in verse 13 down to verse 17. Here's the answer. Verse 13 says, But when you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the blind. 
When's the last time you had a party or a celebration or a feast and you invited anybody who fits those categories? He says, if you do that, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Verse 15 goes on to say, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. He thought, oh, I'm going to be uh, higher, higher up in what, what I'm saying here uh, to Jesus. But notice in verse 16, Jesus says to him, A man once gave a great banquet, and he invited many. And at the time for the banquet... He sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So think about that when we look at what the answer to our problems is. It, we, you know, we need to be showing Christ to the world. The only way to show Christ to the world is first to know Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You can't show something that you don't have. And so I encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, that's the first place for you to start. Because you can try to conform from the outside all you want. You can try to act good on the outside all you want. But if you don't have Christ on the inside, all of it's for naught. It's, it's going to be just superficial, and it's only going to be temporary. And so he says here to invite them to come. Now, the Great Commission tells us to go. But when you go, you're supposed to invite them to come. You're to show Christ and to share the gospel and invite them to come to Christ. You'll notice in that word that there's a simplicity about this invitation of the Lord. We know in the Bible that we're told that salvation is initiated by God. It's God who invites people to come to him and to be saved. He initiates it, but God also says that we're to respond and we're to come. Now, come is one of the greatest words in the Bible. The first time it's used is back in the Old Testament uh, when Noah was getting ready to go into the ark, and God's standing at the door of the ark, and he says to him, come you and all your house into the ark. It's also used in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, when it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Jesus picked up the invitation when he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come is one of the greatest words of the Bible. God invites everybody to come. In fact, I thought about a, uh, an acronym that I heard, an acronym, acrostic that I heard about the word come, C-O-M-E. C, let the children come to be saved. O, let the older people come to be saved. M, let the middle-aged people come to be saved. E, let everybody come to be saved. There's a simplicity about coming. And God says, Jesus is saying here, here's what the, the master told the servant to do. Go tell everybody who's been invited, come, everything is now ready. So notice there's not only a simplicity about the invitation, there's an availability about it also because it says, come for everything is now ready. This man, think about it, he's prepared a lavish meal. He sent out his servant in the previous verses to invite people to come. All the preparations necessary for the meal to be provided have been done. We know that the great supper of salvation has already been prepared by God. 
And that salvation doesn't depend upon anything that you do or any preparation that you make, but rather it rests on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary. Salvation is free, but it is not cheap because it costs Jesus everything. And so take all the tears that, that Jesus Christ ever shed, all of them say, come, for everything is now ready. Take all of the groans that, that ever escaped his lips, uh, and, and they all say, come, for everything is now ready. Take all of the blood that he shed that ever fell from his head, from the crown of thorns on his head, or, or from his side, or from his hands, or from his feet, and every drop of that blood says to you, come, for everything is now ready. God invites us to come because he's already made the preparations. That's what Jesus is telling them in this parable. God's already prepared the appetizers. You have to just provide the appetite. God's provided the meal. You just got to show up hungry with your mouth. Uh, you provide the sweet tooth, if you will. And so God says, come, for everything is now ready. Salvation doesn't depend on us, but on what Jesus did on the cross. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, what was the last words he said? It is finished. And when he did, when he said that, it means the, the work was done. So the meal of salvation has been prepared. The great wedding feast is already ready, and all we have to do is to come. Now, did you notice another word in that verse? It tells us there in verse 17, come for everything is now ready. That one little word, now. In other words, there's a punctuality about it. In other words, it says, it's God saying, come right now. All things are ready right now. You ever wondered why God tells people to come and be saved now? I mean, think about it. God wouldn't say, come yesterday because yesterday's already gone. Yesterday in your life and my life and is the world of broken dreams and, and wasted years. You can't come yesterday. It's already passed. God doesn't say, well, you can come tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. The Bible says this, don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day may bring. Tomorrow may never come. This may be your only opportunity if you don't know Christ to be saved. And so God says, come right now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Paul said this, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so the invitation was extended. It was extended for Jesus to come to this party. And it was extended in both these stories that Jesus shares here. But notice also that the invitation is evaded, evaded. Notice verse 18. So after the servants gone and told them, come for everything is now ready, verse 18 says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So as you unpack this story, you discover, secondly, how this invitation is evaded. 
when the invitation is sent out, the servant goes out, you can just imagine, he's going out with excitement. He's going out to tell everybody, it's ready, it's ready. Come, let's join in the feast, let's celebrate together. And you can just imagine that great excitement as he goes from house to house. The Bible says that when he goes though to those houses and he invites those people to come and says, everything's ready now. Come on over to the party, come on over to the feast. It says in verse 18, they all alike were with one consent began to make excuse. And when you look at the excuses that they made initially, it may look like these are acceptable excuses. I mean, for instance, the, the servant goes to the first house, a man comes to the door, he, he's got a three-piece business suit on, he's got dollar signs in his eyes, he's got deposit boxes for hands, he hears the invitation to come to this great supper, and he says, oh no, I, I bought a piece of land, I, I've got to go check it out, let me be excused. Then he goes to the second house, knocks on the door. Guy comes to that door, he's got his overalls on. He's, he's, uh, he, he comes to the door there and, and he's invited to come, but he says, no, I, I bought some oxen and I cannot come. I've got to go check on them and see how good they are. Let me be excused. And then he goes to the third house and he knocks on that door and this man comes to the door. He's got a tuxedo on, he's got a flower in his lapel, he's got his hair combed back tight, he's been to a wedding and it's his own wedding. And he says, I can't come, I just got married, I've got a wife and I can't come. Think about it for a moment. What wife do you know who wouldn't want to get all dressed up and go to a banquet, go to a feast, go to a party? Every one of them began to make an excuse. And you can almost see them as they wink with their eye uh, when, when they give you that excuse. They thought that those excuses were perfectly acceptable. It's altogether possible that right now, though, you already have the excuse on your lips. The devil's already made sure that you know what your excuse is. You know, people use all kinds of excuses why they don't come to Jesus. They say there are too many hypocrites in the church. They say there's too much to give up. I don't have the right feeling. They say they are afraid they, they can't live it, or, or I'm busy right now, I'll do it later. Someone once said this, excuses are alibis that keep people from receiving God's offer of salvation. Alibis, though, become lullabies which lull people to sleep and give them a false sense of security. So notice, the, the excuses are apparently to them acceptable. But I want you to notice if you zoom in a little bit closer on these excuses, let me show you how they are absolutely unreasonable. For instance, think about that first guy. He said, I bought a piece of land and I've got to go check it out. Now think about that. Who in this room would go buy a piece of land sight unseen? You've never seen it before. He should have already looked at the land. I mean, he's a good, if he's a good businessman, he's bought a piece of land and he hasn't even checked it out, who would do something like that? Next, you got this guy who, who's bought a team of oxen and, and he's got to go out and, and prove them. Now think about this. This is a supper invitation. Supper's in the evening. You tell me that he bought five oxen and he doesn't know if they can get the job done. And besides, do those ox got headlights on them? Because he's going to be able to, is he going to be able to check them out at night? Then that third guy who's, who's married a wife and he can't come. In other words, he's either so lovesick that he can't walk or his wife has tied up his legs and he can't come. But think about this. Think about the excuses that people make every single day. 
that are absolutely unreasonable. For instance, take the excuse that there's hypocrites in the church. There's somebody maybe sitting here that says, I'd be saved, but I know some hypocrites that go to that church. Let me tell you, there are hypocrites in everything. There are hypocrite preachers. There are hypocrite doctors. There are hypocrite lawyers. But understand this, the false simply proves the truth. I'd rather come to church and sit right in the middle of the two biggest hypocrites in town than to die and go to hell and be with all the hypocrites forever. And somebody else says, well, preacher, I'd give my life to Jesus, but I just want to be sure I can live it first. I'm here to tell you, there's not a person in this building or watching online who can live it on your own. You need Jesus. There's somebody else who would say, I'd like to come to Jesus, but there's just too much to give up. Well, it's not really too much to give up. If you want to give, give your heart and your life to Jesus today, you don't have to give a whole lot. In fact, you don't have to give up, you don't have to give up but one thing if you come to Jesus. The only thing you've got to give up is your sin. There's somebody else who may say, well, preacher, I, I intend to do that, but I'm really busy right now. I'm running a business. I've got a lot of things going on. When things settle down in my life a little bit, then I'll give my life to Jesus. Think about that for a minute. You're not too busy to do a lot of things in your life. You're not too busy to go to work, are you? You're not too busy to watch your favorite show on TV. You're not too busy to go to your favorite recreation or leisure thing. The truth of the matter is, these people didn't go. They didn't respond to the invitation because, honestly, they didn't want to go. So be honest this morning because God already knows your heart. These excuses were absolutely inexcusable. And the Bible says that every single one of us are without excuse. Think how inexcusable it is. Here's a man who's paid the price. Here's a man who's prepared the meal. Here's a man who's sent his own servant out to invite these people to come, and they absolutely reject the invitation. How unreasonable, how unexplainable, how inexcusable that is. In fact, notice what it says at the beginning of verse 21. So the servant came, and he reported these things to his master, then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant. He had a right to be angry. It's the anger of wounded love. It's the anger of one who, who made all these great preparations. And these people are using these silly, flimsy excuses. I want you to notice this parable takes an unbelievable twist. This parable takes a wonderful turn. And notice how, thirdly, the invitation is expanded. Go back and look at verse 21 again. So the servant came, reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. So he says in verse 21, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city. And he says it again in verse 23. He says, go out to the highways and the hedges. Go. And he does a wonderful thing here. You see how lovingly he expands the invitation there in verse 21. He says, go find the poor people. 
God says to every poor lost sinner who is hearing this message this morning, I'm inviting you to come and be saved. And then he goes out and says, he says go out and find the cripple. Some of you may be sitting here or watching online and you've been wounded in your heart by sin. And God says to you, come and be saved. He says, go find the blind. Sin has blinded some who are here this morning and you've been blinded for so many years of your life. And he says to you, come and be saved. And then he says, go find the lame. Those who sin has left a limp in your life. God says, even though you're limping because of sin, come and be saved. How often it is that when we have a banquet, we invite the beautiful people. We want the biggest, the brightest, the richest, the famous to be there. But God lovingly extended the invitation to whosoever will may come. You ever thought about the people who are sitting here this morning? maybe even watching online? You ever thought about the people who are sitting here that are going to be there at the great banquet table of salvation? There are those in this building this morning who've come from all kinds of backgrounds of sin in your life, but you've been made pure by the Lord Jesus Christ. There may be some who you had problems with alcohol in the past and God has delivered you from that. There may be others who used to be dishonest but you've been made honest by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are people who may be sitting here who maybe you used to be stingy, but God has made you a generous person now. There may be those who are sitting at the table this morning who are unbelievers, but now you're a humble believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how lovingly God invites whosoever will may come. You see how generously he does it? The servant goes back and he says, I've invited people and yet there's still room. So notice verse 22. So he goes and does what the master says. And he says, sir, what you've commanded has been done. And still there's room. Verse 23 says, the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited at the beginning there, he's saying, shall taste my banquet. Understand this, God wants a full heaven. Jesus took your hell so that you could have his heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ has a generous invitation, whosoever will. That means that I can say on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ that any person here in this building who wants to be saved and go to heaven when they die, God says you can come and you can be saved. But you notice how urgently he sends the invitation in verse 23. He compels people to come in. Compels a strong word. It means to go out and to constrain them to come. It, it means to go out and urgently invite them to come in. So get the picture. If you're here this morning and you're saved and you thought this message wasn't about you, you're the servant. You're the one who was supposed to go out and invite the original people to come, no matter if they rejected the invitation. And then you're to go out into the streets and into the lanes. And if they still don't come and you still don't have uh, the, how, the, the, the feast full, then we're to go into the highways and to the hedges and to compel them to come in. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. 
The Bible even says that we're to pull them as if out of the very flames of hell. That's why God says, come, whosoever will, let him come. So you might be asking, does it really matter who I invite to dinner? Why does it make such an eternal difference who you invite to Thanksgiving dinner? It's not so much this, that this one day is all determining. All the people at your Thanksgiving dinner, they might be in your family and they might already all know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or they may not be saved. The reason it makes an eternal difference is that Thanksgiving, along with so many other occasions, reveals where your treasure really is. What matters to you most? You're going to have a lot of opportunities over the next few weeks to invite people to the greatest feast that there will ever be in heaven. The question is, are you going to invite them to come? Because statistics tell us that most everybody sitting in this congregation this morning have never invited someone to the great wedding feast to come to Jesus to be saved. So the question is, is Jesus with his commands and his promises more valuable to you than tradition and convenience and earthly conflict? Is he our treasure or is this world your treasure? And that question isn't decided just during an invitation at church. It's decided at a Thanksgiving dinner and an hour by hour every day by whether or not we're willing to inconvenience ourselves for those who can't repay us or whether we avoid them and so preserve our easygoing routine. It matters who you invite because it matters where your treasure is and it matters where they will spend an eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful passage for us this morning as we think about Thanksgiving and all the opportunities that we're going to have during this holiday season to share with people the good news and the love of Jesus Christ, to invite them to become a part of the family of God, that they might participate and be a part of the great wedding feast in heaven. Lord, we know that you are long-suffering. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to salvation. And so, Father, I pray this morning that if there's one who's here or even one who's watching online who has never trusted by faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, let them know in their heart that you love them too much to let them stay where they are in their sin and die and spend eternity in hell. You love them so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for their sin and to be resurrected from the grave to give them eternal life. So, Father, I pray they would call out to you and acknowledge their sin, acknowledge their need for Jesus as their Savior, believing in what he's done for them on the cross, being buried in the tomb and arising on the third day. And Lord, may they invite Jesus to come into their life and save them and change their heart and their life and help them to live for you all the days of their life. Lord, I pray if someone's prayed something like that in their own words this morning, they've called out to you for salvation. Lord, may they come to publicly profess that faith in Christ. Or maybe just simply to find out some more about it. Father, there may be others of us here, though. We're to be that servant who's going and knocking on the door, talking to the neighbor, talking to our family members, talking to those who will be at the dinner 
on Thanksgiving Day to share with them the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we know it's going to be some opportunities like maybe we've never had before. Let us not let those opportunities pass and not say a word. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in all that you give us to do. And Lord, may we live for Christ. May you empower us. May you strengthen us. May you give us the boldness to speak the truth in love to those who are without Christ so that they will have at least that opportunity to be invited to the great wedding feast. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're here this morning and you prayed that prayer. Maybe God's been working on your heart to come and join our fellowship. Whatever decisions you need to make this morning, we want to invite you to come. Page 275 is what we're going to sing, I Surrender All. As we stand, as we sing, would you make your way and come this morning? Brother Mike. Jesus, I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. seated for just a moment. Brother Steve's got a couple of announcements to share. All right, we are almost finished with Operation Christmas Child, and we have had an awesome week. Uh, over at the Ministry House, we've had a bunch of boxes come in and look at this pile over here on the stage isn't it amazing uh, it makes my heart warm uh, if you have shoe boxes that you've not brought in if you can bring them tonight uh, bring them tonight when you come to church the last chance to turn in boxes is 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. tomorrow morning if they come in after that I think we can take them when we go to the centers to do the boxes, but if you want them on the trucks out here, we need them by 10 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, we've already mentioned earlier that uh, this afternoon, one of our sites that brings the great big cartons to us is coming at 3.30. At if you're here and can help with that, just to put these cartons on the truck, uh, we'd like you here about 3.15 and we'll get started. On Monday, 
we're going to start about 10:15, and it's going to go till about three o'clock in the afternoon putting cartons on the trucks and getting everything loaded up uh, we still need help both of those times um, it does make a long day if there's just a few of us so if you can come and help in any way. We did get a ramp for the truck this year. We've never had one of those before, but we would appreciate any help that we can get. Thank you. Um, God has truly blessed me with amazing parents, and it is my honor and privilege to publicly invite you to their 50th wedding anniversary party today from 2 to 4. If you can make it, I know it's going to be a busy day with what Terry just said, but it would be our privilege if you would just come and, and say a, a kind word to them. And there's no gifts or anything like that. Just your presence is, is everything. Thank you so much. It was brought to our attention there's a typo in the bulletin uh the christmas parade is actually on december the second friday night and not december the third so we'll make you aware of that uh leanne wells lost her grandmother mary wells this past week uh, the arrangements are in the bulletin and all that is on tuesday and we need to continue to pray for martha brooke hood and jared hood's daughter mary alice who's now home from the hospital and doing some better and we need to continue to pray for Todd Nichols' mother, Wanda, who is at Heart and Hospital. Any other announcements or anything? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you, Brian. If you join me with a word of prayer, we'll be dismissed. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and privilege of being here at this time. We thank you, Lord, for uh, our church, our pastor, Lord, and for all the members who have made the effort to be here. Lord, just help us to uh, invite someone not only to Thanksgiving dinner, Lord, but to eternity in heaven with you. Lord, we ask your forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.